for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Trish Wood on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hi, everybody. Trish Wood here, and this is The Edit, brand new show. And I want to talk about what we're going to be doing over the next few days. Maybe, first of all, I'll tell you why I called it The Edit, because... As you probably know, all information is edited in one way or another. And uh, much of what you see now that you believe is propaganda, probably true is propaganda or unfair or dishonest is that way because somebody has edited it to be that way. It's about leaving things out, putting things in, or behaving kind of more generally dis- dishonestly. But, but an editor is sort of the king of a news operation, an information operation. So we called it the edit because we're running the show here and we're going to do it honestly for you. And we're not going to do it in a way that appeals to people's confirmation biases, which is something I'm going to talk about with our guest today, CJ Hopkins, because he and I have had similar problems. We don't curate our thinking, our substacks, our public speaking around a particular tribal group that we belong to. We just don't do that because information and truth and understanding the world, it doesn't work that way. It's That's just dishonest to do that. It's going to get you in trouble. But what that means is that people are going to be mad at you once in a while. So we're going to talk to the wise and wonderful C.J. Hopkins from Berlin, Germany, one of the most astute and I think courageous too, plus super entertaining uh, essayists working today. He he writes for something called The Consent Factory, which is his, and also he has a brilliant, brilliant substack. So he's the perfect inaugural guest for the edit, and we're going to get to him in a minute. Um, I want to just kind of give you a bit of a rundown of the next few days and how the team here has kind of been editing and curating what we're going to be talking about. And today is going to be a bit of Gaza and a bit of COVID because, and a bit of free speech, obviously, but because those things are tied up together. And the the thread between COVID and what's happening in Gaza and free speech more generally is that propaganda was influencing us to behave in certain ways in both cases, right? And with COVID, where there is an inquiry underway right now in in the UK, which won't get us anywhere, but we'll talk about that later. Um, You know, especially in the UK, they had a way of, it was called the Behavioral Sciences Unit, a way of nudging people to behave. And that was through the use of fear. Now with Israel and Gaza, the use of hate is fueling fear as well, and fear is fueling hate, right? So so this is an old playbook, and those things are intertwined. Even if they seem disparate to you in some way, but they kind of feel familiar, that's probably what's going on. Some part of your brain knows you're being manipulated to think a certain way, and when you're being manipulated to think a certain way, then you feel and you act a certain way, right? And this is not good. We need to think what we think because we think it from absorbing honest, reasonably neutral information that is driven by facts and not by trying to create a reality that people more powerful than us want us to believe. And I'll, I'll tell you why I'm saying that specifically about Israel and Gaza. People don't go to war and kill other humans unless they are convinced that the people they're killing are worth killing, right? They're, they're subhuman, 
they're dangerous to us, they're not as good as we are. Every war has had its phrases. I know in Vietnam times, it was gook. That's what they called the, the Vietnamese people they were in conflict with. And it's got, you know, ta- a raghead, talhead, they use that all through the Iraq war. Please forgive me for saying it because they're rude, but but that's how it goes. People and soldiers and societies don't support war against people they like. It just doesn't work that way. And we seem to forget that every time there's a new war and a new kind of propaganda offensive against us to get us to sign on to it. So that's part of what we're going to be talking about with with CJ today. It's really, really important. And I, I want the people who watch this show and and listen to this show to fully fully understand that it really is like lucy and charlie brown in the football they always say we're not doing it this time we're giving you the straight goods and then you know like she lucy always pulls the football away as he's about to kick it and he tumbles over and it's the same we have to stop falling for it i remember and i'm going to dig this out and read it to you on a future show Um, when the Iraq war was gearing up and the propaganda was fast and furious against us and and those who spoke up, like, for instance, Scott Ritter and others who were saying, hey, there's no WMD, there's no evidence for that, or maybe we should, you know, take a pause before we embark on this, were absolutely ruined by it. I mean, it was not, it was not a small thing. And um, now that, of course, WMDs were not found, uh after like maybe a million dead the numbers aren't but a lot of people dead and the country which isis grew in because of the conflict a super super ruination of america's reputation in the world over that and there's no big oh sorry we made a mistake no, that doesn't happen and even the washington post and new york times wrote like a single little teeny weeny graph saying whoops we got it wrong after colin powell got up in front of the un and told a whopper which became what they call the causes belli, meaning the reason that you can justify sending a country and young people into war. And uh, if you've spent five minutes watching the Tunnel to Towers advertisements on TV, you'll understand what that means, these poor kids who come back and don't even know what they were there for. So that's how these things happen. And part of what we're going to do here on the edit is help you recognize it and fight against it and and, uh, understand that there is a process that keeps happening and all of the institutions in the western uh, societies in which we live are involved in this right so that's partly what we're going to talk about but just to do a few little headlines for you right now before we go to cj um today is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of jfk wow i eh, i'm not going to tell you how old i am but i actually have a memory of it so it's the 60th anniversary. That's all I'm going to say. And my big memory of it, I had two. One is that I, I was really unsettled by all the weeping adults because that was new. And all of the television programming was changed to Walter Cronkite and others um, who were speaking in very sad tones about this big event. I didn't fully understand it, but I knew something big was happening and that they'd taken Rocky and Bullwinkle off TV, which was kind of a disaster for young people. But but that's my memory of it. So even a young, young kid um, 
it kind of absorbed the magnitude uh, of that. And it was a turning point in world events. There's no question. Some people deny that. They're wrong about it. I, if you, I interviewed Oliver Stone, who I deeply admire on this subject, and he makes a solid case in his last film that um, the world would have been better off had he not been assassinated. And he makes a strong case that dark forces did it, it specifically because he wanted to make some changes in American foreign policy that, you know, the uh, let what we now call the deep state we're, we're not in love with, shall we say. Um, this is really huge. Um, there is a, a temporary ceasefire in Gaza that's been uh, negotiated and um, in Qatar, and apparently um, over the next couple of days it's going to be rolling out. I don't think it's going to be a big huge cohort of people exchange is going to be a few each day over a period of days where the shooting stops so that's a great thing to be happening isn't it and max blumenthal says look out because the days and hours running up to a ceasefire are often the most bloody there's word that in israel there was a huge explosion uh figuratively speaking within the cabinet as they were discussing this the super far right guys of Likud did not want this to happen and i my own suspicion about that this opinion here but i think maybe it's learned i think that the goal is just to destroy every building and infrastructure in gaza and then say to the palestinians there's no place for you to come back to see ya and then they'll be in the sinai there's some good reporting on the fact that that was kind of the plan all along and they haven't done anything at all that changes my mind about that. In fact, as the days go by and the bombardments on infrastructures get more and more intense, um, it really looks like that's kind of what their plan is. So, um, but that's a good sign, I think. It means they may, they may get somewhere. What's interesting is that Politico's reporting that, this really blew my mind, but has a total ring of truth, that um, the Biden administration thought that this pause part of the negotiations around hostages was not a good thing because it would allow journalists broader access to Gaza, which could further, I'm quoting, further illuminate the devastation there and turn public opinion on Israel. Wow. So we they don't want people to see what's going on. As you know, reporters are not allowed in. The only people reporting from there right now have been uh, Palestinian journalists, mostly many of whom, like over 40, have been killed, which is also unprecedented. So they don't want people seeing what you can see on Al Jazeera, some of it on Channel 4. Amy Goodman also has it. And some of these news organizations are organizations I normally don't watch because I think they're too far left. But on this stuff, interestingly, they've been getting the footage that the legacy media in Western countries uh, is not in. So I want to turn to Germany so we can throw to CJ right after a break we're going to take. And that is that Germany is behaving strangely about what um, is happening between Israel and Gaza. And when I say strangely in a way that suggests a major, major uh, crackdown on free speech, in mid-October, the Frankfurt Book Fair canceled an award ceremony for the Palestinian writer Adanya Shibli, I hope I've got that right, over concerns about how the ceremony might be perceived in the context of the war. Slovenian philosopher Slavjov Žižek 
in pointing to the importance of listening to Palestinians to better understand the conflict, was himself accused of relativizing Hamas. And Social Democratic co-party leader Saskia Eskin even called off a meeting with Bernie Sanders due to his stance on the ongoing escalation. And I don't think Bernie's been too far, like, he's not been calling for ceasefires, I don't think, so I'm not sure what he said. Um, so this goes to the heart of um, Germany's principle of being extra understanding toward Israel, given the history here. Or there's an abstract policy that they have around it. And um, I'm just going to read this to you. The response is easier to understand when you consider that Germany has long felt a special responsibility towards Israel, which was officially founded as a Jewish homeland just three years after the Nazis systematically murdered six million Jews. In 2008, then-Chancellor Angela Merkel articulated Germany's responsibility toward Israel as its strut raison, I know I'm saying that wrong, and that CJ will correct me, but reason of state or like raison d'etre, reason to exist, kind of, suggesting that protecting Israel's interests is an integral part of Germany's existence. So they're kind of in trouble um, on this, I feel. You know, you can try to do something you think is a good thing, but if you push it too far, then it becomes a bad thing, right? It sounds like maybe that's what's happening. You're not going to solve it by shutting down free speech. So let's go to a break right now, and then I will be back with the the one and only C.J. Hopkins, who I'm absolutely thrilled to have as my inaugural guest on The Edit. You should hear what George Eliasson is talking about. Donald Trump's wolves. Now, we've talked about the Colorado case, the 14th Amendment case, and the judge has denied uh, the motion to dismiss. Now, if you don't remember, the suit cites the 14th Amendment clause banning those who participate or assist in the insurrection from taking office. And they're making this legal argument based on Trump's actions before and on January 6th. And when they claim that thousands of his supporters were creating an act of sedition at the Capitol. During January 6th, um, Trump actually offered to call the National Guard in. He told the protesters to keep things peaceful. And this is all public knowledge. This isn't a political action. They're trying to control, once again, who can run for the office of president and who cannot. War of the Worlds with George Eliasson on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Hi, everybody. Trish Wood here on the edit with the one and only CJ Hopkins. We were kind of talking a little bit at the break about how it's feeling kind of scary right now. People are really losing their minds over the onslaught of propaganda uh, coming out now from from this war. And um, I'm just wondering, does this feel familiar to you at all, CJ? Because it sure does to me. Like mass hysteria. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think the first piece I wrote about it, I described it as deja vu all over again. Uh, you know, I remember it vividly uh, from after the attacks in New York in 2001 and the, you know, the run up to the invasion of Iraq, uh, you know, when Americans were just uh, enraged and uh, uh, seeking revenge on somebody you know, on anybody, basically. Uh, yeah, I remember the the mass hysteria from those days really well. And uh, sure, this is, it's deja vu. Yeah, it never changes, as I just said. And just before we get into this, I, I just wanted to bring to your attention, there's two stories, one of which you know, but one you don't. But I just saw this this morning, Brooklyn Bigot, who doused father and his toddler son in coffee during heated anti-Palestine rant on Brooklyn playground, surrenders to cops. So, so what she says is an Arab guy sitting on a bench with his kid, and she, this is all caught on video, she says, all Arab people are dogs. And do you know your people burn babies in ovens? I hope someone burns your child in an oven. So this is my, when people say, what, is, what does it matter if the propaganda is false, if there was some of what they did was true, if some of it was false, but these really, you know, the beheaded babies, this, the, the barely, these are the things people have latched onto to dehumanize uh, Palestinians and in fact all arabs and it's also making people frightened you know they're like oh my god that's so right so so this is now happening in a park in brooklyn some guy's trying to play with his kid and a lunatic comes over it's bad sure and it's you know it's standard standard operational procedure it happens in um every war you can go back and and track this uh, propaganda that's rolled out um in every conflict and and probably most intensively right at the beginning um you know things are nuts here in germany um as well and you know i've read the reports you know people in uh, some you know midwestern states uh, worried that you know hamas is going to uh you know rise up and attack them um the situation the the situation here in germany is also it's just it's complete mass hysteria as well and uh, uh i think your your new show is fantastic because and, and it's the reason that i called my blog originally the consent factory um because <laughs> you know this this mass hysteria is produced it's manufactured and uh, the propaganda is a big part of of how it is manufactured and tracking that i think is just extremely important for those who want to understand how we get to places like this uh because it doesn't just happen spontaneously out of the ether it is it's manufactured yeah it's man i feel i don't i think maybe you're like me um and i maybe other people are like us too but i actually if i'm being hit with propaganda that is extreme i actually feel sick i i get really frustrated and upset and angry 
being fed a lie. Maybe that's what I do for a living, why I do what I do, but I, it really, it, it destabilizes me, which I now have been for five years, right? Since COVID, because that was all what, what COVID messaging was about. But you're, you're sort of our boots on the ground. And we want to have a lot of cases where we have people talking about things, um, with deep, deep knowledge, because they're kind of living it. So tell me about what is actually going on in Germany right now. You said they've lost their minds. So let's discuss that. Well, I, I think you, I, I think you mentioned uh, some of it. You know, right in the beginning, uh, right after the October seven uh, attacks, <clears throat> there was a huge display, of course, of uh, solidarity uh, with Israel by the the federal government and all of the authorities. Um, as you mentioned, uh, you know, solid Germany's solidarity with uh, the state of Israel is its uh, Stadt raison, you know, part of the, just an essential part of, of the foundation of the new Germany. And the Israeli flag was projected onto the Brandenburg Gate. And there were huge displays of, you know, solidarity with um, Israel. And right away, uh, basically anyone who wasn't uh, clicking heels and falling in line with that official narrative uh, began to be demonized, you know, as a as a Hamas-loving anti-Semite uh, who wants to, you know, exterminate the Jews. Um, at the same time, Trish, you know, yeah, there has been uh, uh, an increase in demonstrations of uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, that's that's very real. You know, people have, have painted stars of David on the on the buildings where the Jewish people live. Uh, uh, somebody threw a Molotov cocktail at a synagogue. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the, the hatred has been uh, inflamed on both sides. Um, uh, focusing more on the official side, you know, pro-Palestinian demonstrations were banned. Uh, you know, you could you could. Uh, demonstrate in support of Israel all day, um, but the government banned demonstrations, uh, you know, in, in support of the Palestinians. They couldn't maintain it because the support was so huge, they had to give in and a court, you know, overruled it at one point. But they banned them initially and immediately in the neighborhood, not directly where I live, but right down the street from where I live, um, is kind of, uh, I kind of live in the center of, uh, you know, the uh, the Arab, the Middle Eastern uh, population in Berlin, which is huge, uh, which is huge. The the police basically occupied it um, and started, you know, assaulting and cracking down on any young men that were wearing kafiyas or waving Palestinian flags. There's a famous or uh, infamous video. Uh, one guy was just, uh, he, he just set out a bunch of votive candles and he was kind of sitting vigil uh, for the people that were, you know, being slaughtered in Palestine. Uh, and the goon squads came along, the police came along with, you know, their armor, body armor and everything and stomped all over the candles and dragged this guy away. Um, you mentioned some of the, you know, just the crackdown in the, the culture industry has been blackballing people, firing people, canceling exhibitions, uh, you know, canceling uh, literary readings. Uh, it, you know, it's, I could go on and on and on. Basically, it, the entire culture and the entire society is once again doing the Gleichschaltung thing where, you know, the, the, the official narrative is being synchronized throughout all aspects of society. At the same time, there's huge, huge support for the Palestinians and there have been massive demonstrations uh, that the government couldn't stop. 
there have been massive, massive demonstrations all over uh, uh, Berlin, all over my city, and uh, I think in different places in Germany as well. Uh, so they haven't been able to to crush it completely. Is there um, over there the same kind of conflation that if you are, say, pro-Palestine or pro-ceasefire or whatever you want to say it kind of more neutrally, uh, automatically makes you a Hamas supporter? Like, are they doing that stuff around language where, or, or how, you know, from the river to the sea? I did research on it, and actually, I don't think it means what they're saying it means. I think it means Palestinians from the river to the sea, and wherever they are, should be free individuals. I don't think it means let's wipe out Israel. But but that's also part of what they're doing. They're ta All this language is being conflated with kind of nihilistic intention and I'm sure there's some of that but but is that is that what they're doing there to justify the crackdowns in this way absolutely the same thing the the phrase was literally banned in schools they uh you know they they sent out a notice or an ordinance or whatever but uh, yeah students were banned from saying that uh banned from uh showing Palestinian flags and you know banned from saying from the river to the sea and, you know, I think the argument about that is silly because it's a phrase and it means different things to different people. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure some people, you know, fanatically hate Israel and want to wipe yeah. it off the face of the earth. And other people just want to be free, <laughs> just want yeah. to, you know, just want everyone to be able to be free and live, you know, without being in an apartheid system. Uh, so, you know, of course, there, there's going to be a wide diversity of what people mean by uttering that phrase. But, you know, just the we're, we're at a point we're at a point where it has almost become normalized, you know, that the government, you know, can ban people from saying words, yeah, from saying phrases. Um, it's not just here in Germany. Uh, uh, I was appalled after the big uh, demos in London. The Metropolitan Police, the, the London police, actually went on Twitter and ran a thread of pictures of people at the uh, demonstration in London who, uh, you know, some of them were just, you know, rabid anti-Semites, um, uh, but some of them were just holding up placards uh, that the police didn't approve of. Um, and the, the the police went on Twitter and, and solicited, uh, you know, uh, reports from the general public. If you know who these people are, get in contact with us so that we can hunt them down for hate crimes. And, and I, I just want to be clear for the audience. I, I remember one of these guys uh, was just a dis disgusting anti-Semite. And, you know, I wouldn't defend what he said at all. But, you know, it's words. <laughs> it's it's words. We're at, a, we're at a point where people are not stopping to think, okay, so there's this really disgusting bigot who is saying ugly words. And we're at a place where we're going to put him in jail for saying ugly words rather than just you know, rather than just calling him a bigot and pointing out what an ugly person he is. You know, it's, it's, that's where we are. I, I'm interested in this, maybe, I hope I can say this just right, because it's a bit of a tricky question. But, but it's, it's, it's interesting that Germany feels a collective guilt around the whole, I mean, they should, I suppose. I, I don't know, I'd have to think about that before I have an opinion. But I remember I came back from the Hidden Child Conference in New York, where all these kids who were now grown-ups had been hidden or dressed as girls if they were boys or sent to live with Catholic, whatever, to save their lives. Some of them lived in the woods, right? It was a really interesting thing. 
And uh, it was a great story for me, for radio. I loved them. And I actually, um, Abe Foxman, who went on to run the ADL, was one of those children and told me a story. We had a, made a big bond about it. Um, and I remember going back to the office. There was a German girl who worked in her office, and I, I was editing the tape. She could hear it on the speakers, and she started sobbing. And I said, Lanny, like, what, what is wrong? Are, are, like, are you, is this bothering? Are you a Holocaust parents or something? And she said, no, 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 I'm German. And I, I still feel guilty. And I said, why do you feel guilty? She said, you know, it's in the DNA. I can't, I mean, she was really distraught over it, right? And I had not seen, I didn't know that. So I, I guess I'm wondering is, is there a point where a collective guilt like Germany obviously feels, maybe appropriately, goes so far that they're now perpetrating bad things on other people in the name of the bad things they did to a different group that they're now trying to atone for. I mean, is that a possibility here? Well, it's more than a possibility. It's it's exactly what's happening. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I've lived here for almost 20 years in Germany, and um, it's a uh, uh, it's a very strange and 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 unique thing. I, I I approve of of their continued wrestling with their guilt uh, over you know uh, Nazi Germany and the Holocaust, which are two separate things, folks. Um, uh, you know, it's it's when you walk around here in in Berlin or in anywhere in Germany, Trish, there are little brass plaques in the street, the Stolperstein, the stumbling stones, the little brass plaques with the names of the Jewish families and people that were pulled out of the houses that the plaques are in front of and and, and sent off to the concentration camps and the death camps and murdered. I mean, it's it's very much a part of Germany's ongoing, you know, remembrance of history, and it should be. Um, You know, it's, it's, I'm a, I, I think I've told you before, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a free speech absolutist, okay. uh, except when it comes, except when it comes to Germany. Germany has a ban against neo-Nazis running around waving uh, swastikas and, and Nazi insignia and what have you, which I completely understand. It's Germany, <laughs> right? We don't, we don't need neo-Nazis running around waving Nazi flags in, in, in Germany. Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, uh, Germans, and I'm going to make a broad generalization, forgive me, it's, it's maybe stereotypical, but, uh, but here goes, Germans have just the, a really strange, awkward relationship uh, uh, it's something, uh, you know, when my wife joined me here, she's lived here for a long time as well. She's Jewish, you know, we're both Americans. Um, uh, and when she arrived, a lot of uh, the German circle that she was introduced to, you know, there, it was the kind of treating her like an exotic uh, animal. It's like, you know, oh, yes, oh, you're, you're, you're a Jewish person, you know, oh, yes, well, wow. I saw, I read a very interesting Jewish book the other you, yeah. you know it's 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 an there's an awkwardness <laughs> around the question and of course there is uh you know i mean the nazi germany perpetrated the holocaust of course there's an awkwardness um unfortunately where we're at right now there's there there's a huge uh, uh conservative right-wing section and uh, 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 sector in in berlin which is not to mince words they're you know they're bigoted against muslims you know these are these are people who don't want muslims in the country feel like their culture is being taken over by muslims and the muslims are everywhere and you know they're basically anti-islam and this what's happening now has become a perfect opportunity 
to for them to sort of wrap themselves in the Israeli flag and yeah. just unleash hatred against Arabs, Muslims, and so on. And it's really, it's really ugly. It's hypocritical and, uh, and it's just ugly. I don't know what else to say about it. Well, I, you know, and here we go with nuance again, our old friend, Mr. Nuance, because I actually have some sympathy for Europe, especially in the UK, where they really feel their culture is being eroded by mass immigration of people who don't mix in, you know, they, 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 they don't try to adopt the culture of the place they move to. And so I, I have a lot of sympathy for that, you know, that, that they feel threatened by that. And in fact, that maybe they are a bit threatened by it, you know. Um, but at the same time, being mean to those people for coming is also totally not right either, right? And if there's an issue, then fix the issue. But ginning up hate, which Douglas Murray is totally doing, in my view, uh, a guy I used to deeply admire, um, but ginning up hate against them is, is also not the right way to go. It's not the way to solve the problem. The way to solve the problem is to start listening to the voters and setting something even resembling uh, um, normal or what we had before, immigration numbers, right? Instead of just having these mass people coming from wherever they want to come from. I mean, I so I, I understand that, but the weaponization of, uh, of, of kind of hate-driven rhetoric around that is also very bad. And that's kind of where we are now. It's a really, I think we're in a really dangerous, you know, we were separated over COVID, vax, not vax, four lockdowns, not four lockdowns, blah, 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 and kept away from each other. It made us all a little bit crazy. And the, go- the people who were just like sort of crazy are now really crazy. So they're latching onto all this stuff too and becoming, you know, worse. We have a really high murder rate in Toronto now that nobody can explain. And I think it's it's for that reason. So this speech, this rhetoric is very, very dangerous. Can I ask you just before we go to break, I want to to, to understand fully the anti-Semitism, right? Because I, I it is rising, everyone says so, and I'm I'm prepared to to believe what people I have no reason to not believe it. But why do you think people are doing it now is it a response to the bombardment of gaza because that's not anti-semitism then you should be mad at israel right not jewish people so why why do you think the people would be doing terrible things to jewish people that they wouldn't have done three months ago what's what's going on there maybe maybe trish uh, let me give you a little preview of my answer because i would love to be able to discuss that at uh, further length uh, after the break, because it's actually okay, one of the yes, key, it's yeah. it's it's one of the key things that that's going on here, and I'll I'll try to do the short version of it before we go to the break. Well, let's um, go to the break, CJ. Let's just go to break now, and then you can really dive in. How's that? Because we're almost there. Yep. And I, th- I think uh, our lads in the control room can probably handle that. So this is Trish Wood on the edit at TNT Radio going to a break. Back in a moment. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Another presidential poll and more bad news for President Joe Biden. This NBC News poll was uh, talked about Sunday on Meet the Press by host Kristen Welker and NBC political guy Steve Kornacki. President Biden, what is his job approval rating? We measure it now at 40% with 57% disapproving the significance. That is the lowest President Biden has ever measured. 
in our poll in terms of job approval. And just look at the sea change from the start of this year. Remember, early this year, Democrats coming off a strong 2022 midterm. He was almost even. Now he's 17 points underwater on this question. Significant dip there, Steve. Those numbers include 63% of independents who disapprove and 21% of Democrats. Now, on the matchup with Donald Trump, if we are heading towards Trump, Biden, a rematch in 2024, how does that look in our polling right now? Here it is. Donald Trump, we have at 46%. Biden, 44 And this is significant because this is the first time in the history of our poll that former President Trump beats President Biden still within the margin of error. And it was about a week ago that Joe Biden claimed there were eight polls that showed he was in the lead. I haven't seen one. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Make sure to uh, tune into my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Around here, bushfire is just a part of life. We've been through it before, and we'll get through it again. The people here all look out for each other. We're a community that does its bit to plan and prepare to keep everyone safe. We live with bushfire, so we live bushfire ready. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, TNT with Trish Wood. Trish Wood here, back with CJ Hopkins on the edit. And uh, he is in Berlin, and we're talking about the rise of anti-Semitism. And we're doing something no one else is really doing. Because the people who are protesting in favor of Palestine or in favor of a ceasefire are not necessarily anti-Semitic. But there actually is a rise in actual anti-Semitism. And a few minutes ago, CJ said that people are painting stars and things on buildings in, in Germany, which of course is awful. And I want to understand that if it's not connected to, you know, the Israeli bombardment of, of, uh, of Gaza, then what, why is it coming out now? What is the catalyst for it in your view? Um, yeah, it's a it's a point that I've been trying to make, and thanks for uh, uh, bringing it up, Trish. I, I don't actually think that the public is any more anti-Semitic today than they were on October sixth. You know, uh, we we talk, and it's shorthand, so it's natural. We talk about uh, this explosion of anti-Semitism, um, and I, I don't think it's actually a, an increase in anti-Semitism. It's an increase in people doing anti-Semitic things, expressing anti-Semitism. Um, and where does it come from? Uh, the the uh, a point, another point that I've tried to make, because I think it's absolutely essential, is it is it is part of the propaganda machine. Uh, what is the one of the things that has been most frustrating for me and most fascinating just professionally uh, is is watching the propaganda machine turn a political conflict erase the political nature of the conflict and turn basically a conflict over land and, uh, you know, rights to territory to turn this into a, 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 a conflict between Muslims and Jews or between anti-Semites and Jews. So it, it has been essential for the official propagandists to stop the discussion of the establishment and evolution of the state of Israel and and what has been done to the people who were living there during the last 75 years 
Um, yeah. and, and, you know, to be fair, and how those people have reacted to it through a variety of means, you know, peacefully, nonviolently, but also through uh, terrorism and mass murder and, and what have you, um, to erase the discussion of, of that political history and reduce it to an argument about, you know, are you an anti-Semite or do you support the Jews? And, un and unfortunately, the result of that, uh, it, it spreads throughout the society so that, so that the, it's, it's easily used by defenders of Israel, you know, anyone who critics, of course, anyone who criticizes Israel or, you know, questions Israel's right to defend itself is, of course, a Nazi, an anti-Semite, a Hamas lover. But also on the other side, people who are actually opposed to the state of Israel then conflate the state of Israel with all Jews and, and, then, and then feel like they have license to lash out at, at, at Jews rather than at a nation state. And it is a nation state that they are in conflict with, not the Jewish people. Uh, this is... This is a fundamental part of how this hate machine works. It's it's about turning our minds off, turning off critical thinking, turning off our attention to history and actual political dynamics, and creating these emotional, uh, you know, uh, sensationalist uh, conflicts that that mask what's really going on. That's very interesting because Netanyahu has certainly, and many, many people who speak for him or who are, you know, adjacent to him are clearly using that, right? Like the, 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 um, the conflation with the Holocaust, for instance, right? It's like, don't, don't criticize Israel. Don't, you're not, no, no, no. They hate us because we're Jewish, right? And, and that maybe, I don't know the sentiment in, in in Gaza or where Hamas came from or or whatever, but but the idea that people are being targeted for their Jewishness in this context is actually to some degree not excusing the people doing the targeting; they're hideous and we condemn them. But it, 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 in a sense, it's also because they've been caught in the propaganda trap of Netanyahu trying to get the diaspora. So on his side by saying we were attacked for our Jewishness wasn't when in fact, I suppose one could argue that Hamas might not care at all what religion Israel was. They, they are mad at what Israel's been doing. And I actually heard a scholar on, um, I think it was on Al Jazeera, make that point the other day that it's not necessarily that they're Jewish, but it's that the state has been, in their view, misbehaving. So. The rhetoric from Israel has kind of, in and of itself, brought this about, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's not just rhetoric from Israel. I mean, yes, of course, it's the rhetoric from the authorities in in Israel, but it's also, you know, the culture industry in the United States, the culture yeah. industry here in Germany. Um, basically, the entire, you know, oh gosh, I'm going to get to say it again on your new show. It's Globo Cap, folks. It's the <laughs> entire. It's the entire establishment power structure. Uh, you, you know, Trish, when uh, when I when I look at this, and and people get furious at me, but when I look at what's happening in in Israel and Gaza at the moment, you know, there's nothing new about what's happening here. You know, the point, the original point I made when I wrote about this in the first place, you know, what what you know, the state of Israel is a nation state. 
and it was established in a territory that where people were already living. And so for 75 years, it has been shoving those people out and killing them and claiming more and more territory and establishing itself as a nation state. There's nothing, there's nothing, you know, strange or unique about this. This is what the United States did in North America when it was established. It's a nation state driving out and killing an indigenous population in order to establish itself. And the indigenous population has been fighting back, just like the Native Americans did in the United in North America when the United States was doing it. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, you and I are old enough to remember the 1970s and Black September and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, 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 the attacks at the Olympics and all of that. You know, this, this conflict political, this political conflict between a nation state, which is eradicating an indigenous, an indigenous population, and that indigenous population fighting back with everything that it has, that's been going on for 75 years. This is just, this is just the latest iteration of it. But it's that history, it's that actual history that the propagandists need to erase and force you to answer, you know, do you condemn Hamas? You know, <laughs> like, do you do you hate do you hate the Jews? You know, it it yeah. it has to be, it has to be turned into this childish, uh, emotionalized, uh, you know, uh, uh, a, a conflict that masks what's actually happening. Yeah. And and what you're saying is so true, because um, anybody on like Piers Morgan's having a really hard time right now, because he's trying to look like he's Mr. Neutral, but he doesn't really know what he's talking about. So like he had Jeremy Corbyn on, I guess this Jeremy Corbyn was in, in trouble and, and disinvited from a, an event in Germany. But but he kept saying, do you denounce Hamas? Do you denounce? I mean, there is all of this kind of ritualistic theater going on that is I guess he's doing it for clicks or something. I don't know why. Maybe because he had, um, maybe because he's worried about angering the other side. I don't know. But he's kind of in the middle, bouncing around and not. He's not making decisions really based on facts, right? He's just kind of doing these kind of the geopolitical version of virtue signaling on his shows every night, and it's very, very painful, very, very painful to watch. One of the things, speaking of peers that I've really, really lamented during this time is the idea that most people, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but they really don't know what's going on in the Middle East, right? They've been fed a narrative by legacy media. And here's one thing I'll say, and then I'll throw to you on this. Every journalist I know with a brain that's working and synapses that are firing, who has been to the West Bank and or Gaza, comes away changed with a whole different view of what is going on there. It's pretty shocking because they don't tell the truth. And I am still getting letters from some of my, my supporters about even Gaza not really being under siege and, oh, they can come and go and their lives. It's just absolutely not true. Like they, people, so I think what happens in these situations is that people, the, the people who manipulate us this way rely on the fact that we're not very well informed which is why someone who is probably a little bit more to the right of center than i used to be or whatever however we're gauging that i'm now watching super far left as i said shows like channel four and 
um, Democracy Now!, which is super far left, because they're actually doing excellent coverage on this, that you can't get what they're delivering on the other stations. And yes, I understand it's probably, you know, manipulated in some way, or they have a view that I might not agree with, but they're delivering pretty unbiased information and videotape from Gaza that you're not seeing anywhere else. So people are hating each other and making decisions about this situation without actually really knowing anything about the region. What they know is talking points, right? Exactly. It's, 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 it's why I addressed it the way that I addressed it uh, in the first thing that I wrote about it um, was, it, you know, it was, uh, I painted a very simplistic picture, but it is, I think, essentially, you know, this, the story of what's happening. Um, it's, it really isn't that complicated. <laughs> you know, if, if you know the history, uh, if you know the history of, of the conflict, it's, it's just not that complicated, folks. Um, you know, there was a territory, a bunch of people were living there, um, and a bunch of other people started a country there, decided we're going to, you know, we're going to start a new country here. And and the people who were already living there, you know, felt like, well, you know, gosh, we're already living here. We don't really want you to start a, a new country and take over our land and drive us out of our homes and what have you. And, and you know, and that that country that was established, you know, has grown into the state of Israel. You know, folks, just go back and look at the history of the United States, for God's sakes. You know, Europeans came over, established colonies, and they built the United States of America. How did they do that? They did that by killing and driving out the indigenous people who, who were already there. This is yeah. not, this is, it's not rocket science. This is what nation states do. And when nation states do this, those indigenous people fight back however they can. Yeah, and that's obviously what's happening now. I want to talk about your latest piece, which is called the... Trish, before you do, as soon as I said that, as soon as I said that, you know what I heard in the back of my head? Is what? people jumping up, people jumping up and writing me emails and saying, "Well, then you approve of Hamas and you condone Hamas." Yeah, yeah. So we're at a we're at a point where I feel like we're at a point where I can't even cite the actual history <laughs> without someone jumping up and demanding or accusing me of waving a flag for one side or the other. Sorry, go ahead. No, that I'm really glad you said that because we're both struggling with supporters who are mad at us. So. I get it, but that's partly what we're doing on this show um, and on even on this network where nobody ever tells us what we can do or say. We just are allowed to curate and edit our own shows, so it's important. Um, and I think they'll come around. I Here's how I feel about this, uh, CJ, because I got a lot of flack over my Ukraine coverage too. Uh, which was immediately, oh, this is bad, and we got to get a peace agreement right away. And they'll never win, and we got to go back to the Maidan. Like people were like, I'm not listening to you anymore because you're pro Putin. I wasn't pro Putin. I just didn't want to see a whole bunch of people get killed, and that's what happened. And now people are saying, yeah, you were right. So this is kind of rounding back to what I was saying at the beginning. You know, we always get fooled. Remember Ukraine? The flags go up in the social media bios. They were, you know, they were stopping Russian artists from performing and not playing Tchaikovsky and all that stuff. And now that's kind of bled away 
figuratively speaking. And, um, and Ukraine is in a real jam and BlackRock's going to go in and fix it up. And here we are with a new conflict and we're having the same arguments again. It's, it's, it's very frustrating for me, I think, as someone who can help but maybe tell the truth. It sounds really self-serving. I don't mean it to. It's just what we're doing here. But anyway, um, part of, of what I just wanted to talk to you about was this, we got only a few minutes left, but I thought it was brave and very humane human and humane, the hate machine, um, where you say that you can feel you're being manipulated with propaganda and images from both sides, uh, but that you're refusing to indulge emotionally or surrender emotionally um, to what they're trying to do. Give me, we've got about three minutes or so, so give me um, your best soliloquy on, on why you wrote that. Um, yeah, I think it was, uh, uh, I think I wrote it for, I, I think there are a lot of people basically like us. Um, uh, we're not the ones that are shouting the loudest right now, but there are, there are a lot of people like us who are trying to resist getting sucked into just the virulent hatred that is pouring out of, you know, one side or the other side, uh, uh of this. I wrote it, <clears throat> it was really kind of therapeutic. Uh, Trace, yeah. what happened is, is I reposted uh, a piece by Gideon Levy, who writes for uh, Haaretz. Um, he wrote an open letter to Roger Waters, who is his friend. They know each other. You know, uh, Levy's completely, you know, aligned with Roger Waters' you know opposition to uh, Israel's op uh, uh, perse you know, uh, 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 persecution of the Palestinians, oppression of the Palestinians. Gideon's completely aligned with that, and he was just simply saying. Uh, to Roger Waters, you know, I'm with you politically 100%, uh, but you're wrong about, you know, questioning whether Hamas actually mass murdered people on October 7th. And yeah. I reposted that. I reposted that because it has been driving me crazy. I, you know, people, you know, whipping up a, a big storm about, uh, you know, the IDF shot people, you know, also in friendly fire at the Nova Festival. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they, they they killed Israelis as well. But it has turned into a thing where the, the fanatics, you know, on the pro-Palestinian side are, are trying to create the impression that, oh, no, no Hamas, they're all Boy Scouts. You know the the IDF killed everybody, and and it just and it just making me insane. I, I I feel like you know we don't have to lie, folks. Those of us who sympathize with the Palestinians, those of us who oppose uh, what the state of Israel is doing to them, you know what the state of Israel has been doing and is doing is horrible enough. We don't have to lie and pretend that Hamas didn't do what they did on October 7th. Anyway, I, re I, I simply reposted uh, this uh, piece by Levy and made a comment uh, to that effect and was just descended on by, you know, fanatics, uh, you know, Twitter revolutionaries, uh, you know, screaming that, uh, you know, somehow I'm, you know, uh, you know, an apologist for Israel and blah, blah. This, this, this is what I'm talking about, Trish, this hate machine. So yeah. the, the machinery is presenting two positions. You either stand on one side and fanatically hate the Palestinians, or you stand on the other side and fanatically hate the Israelis. And I just refuse to do it. 
is, yeah. is what it is. Uh, look, I think that that's a, a really humane position. I will say, I will quibble with one thing, though. And that is that I was fast off the mark on the 40 beheaded babies debunking because it was a preposterous on its face and the baby in the oven and the fake doctor at a, a shift for hospital, et cetera, et cetera. I would argue in the 90 seconds, not even 90 seconds, just that those things were used to gin up hatred and dehumanize the Palestinians so they could bomb them, right? So I kind of, I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. So I get what you're saying, but I, I quibble with those, and I think they should probably be maybe discussed in another show. We're going to do more on that. Anyway, CJ Hopkins, yay, thanks for coming on first edition of the edit. I'm super grateful. Keep on writing. Wow. It's really important. And do come back. My pleasure, Trish. Good luck with the show. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. This is Trish Wood on TNT. Come back to the edit tomorrow. Bye.